This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Roast and Reason podcast. And I wanted to take a second and just let all of you know that I have so much gratitude for all of your support and your interest and the fact that you keep coming back for more podcast episodes. Your interest and support really means a lot to me. So thank you guys very much. On this episode, we're going to be talking about different types of coffee, namely Arabica coffee and Robusta coffee. Those are the two major commercially produced types or species of coffee plant. In previous episodes of the podcast, I briefly mentioned that there are different varieties of the Arabica coffee plant, just like there are different varieties of the wine grape. So the wine grape is one species, but there are different varieties that make up the different wines that we know. Things like Merlot or Pinot Noir or Chardonnay, they're clearly all different, and their difference has to do with the variety of grape used in producing that wine. The other analogy here is apples. So think about the next time you're in a grocery store. You can clearly identify that there are different types or varieties of apples. They look different. Things like Red Delicious or Pink Lady or Fuji or Granny Smith. All of those are going to look different. They're going to have a different color. They're going to have a different shape. And they're sure going to have a different taste. Some are better for eating. Some are better for baking. But they're clearly all different. Well, each of those apples is a different variety. All apples are part of the same species but they are clearly different in terms of their appearance and their taste, and those differences are related to the varieties. Varieties in things like grapes or apples or coffee also are genetically different. So if you plant a Fuji apple, that Fuji apple tree is going to produce Fuji apples. It's not going to produce Granny Smith apples. All of these things that I just mentioned about apples can be said about the Arabica coffee tree. The fruit that they produce and the coffee beans that different varieties of Arabica coffee produce look different, they taste different, and there's a whole number of varieties just like there's a whole number of varieties of wine grape or apples. And I think, I'm not 100% positive yet, but I think next week on the podcast, I'm actually going to go into the different varieties of Arabica coffee and talk about some differences in terms of their history and how they came about, but also how they taste different. Like I said, I think that's going to be next week on the podcast, so tune in for that. But that's not the focus of this episode. In this episode, we're going to take an even larger perspective here. We're going to take a step back. And we're going to ask the question, are there different species of coffee altogether? And does that matter to us as coffee consumers? And the answer, 
to both of those questions is yes. So have you noticed in in the grocery store or at a specialty coffee shop, and most specialty coffee shops don't do this because it's assumed that the coffee is Arabica coffee, but larger brands will tell you on the bag 100% Arabica. And it kind of seems like a, a sales or a marketing ploy, but it's much bigger than that and it's actually meaningful. So what exactly does that mean, 100% Arabica, and, and what else could it be? What else could be in that coffee bag? And we'll get into that in this episode. So the Arabica coffee plant is a species of coffee. Within that species, there are all those numbers of different varieties, but the Arabica coffee plant is a specific species of coffee. The vast majority of coffee that we drink is Arabica coffee, but Arabica is not alone. It's a member of a very large plant family with over 100 unique different coffee species. Arabica is just one of 100. Coffee trees belong to the botanical or plant family Rubiaceae, which is one of the largest families in the plant kingdom. The Rubiaceae family contains over 13,000 different species of plant, and it's made up of flowering plants that contain coffee, but also plants that are used to produce the anti-malarial drug quinine, and plants used to produce natural red dye and yellow dye. So if you remember way back to biology class in high school, and remember how we classify things in biology. It's called taxonomy, biologic taxonomy. We group or categorize living things in a very specific way. So it goes by domain, kingdom, like plant or animal kingdom, Phylum, class, order, family. In this case, we're talking about the Rubiaceae family. Then genus, and finally, species. Coffee plants are part of the Rubiaceae family, and they have their own genus, which is called Caffea. And the Arabica coffee plant, or Caffea arabica, is just one specific species. And remember, you put the genus first, just like we as humans are Homo sapiens. Our genus is Homo. Our species is sapiens. Same is true for coffee arabica. So it's Caffea arabica. Taking a step back, all coffee species are woody evergreen. So all 100 plants that belong to the coffee genus are woody evergreens. But they vary dramatically in appearance and in size. Some coffee, coffee plants are these really small dwarf-like shrubs, while other, other plants are huge trees that can grow 30 or even 40 feet in height. Coffee plants, at least the coffee plants that are used commercially, produce a white flower, and then that flower becomes a fruit. That's called the coffee cherry. The coffee cherries contain seeds, which are the coffee beans that we all know and love. Although, as we mentioned already, that there are about a hundred different species of coffee plant, really only a few are used in any significant way commercially. 
And the most common and the most important of those species is the Caffea arabica coffee plant. So let's discuss some of these major commercially produced and commercially cultivated coffee species and talk about some differences in how they grow and how they taste and how they're used commercially. And we're going to start with Arabica coffee. So Caffea Arabica. This is what we typically think of when we think of coffee. The Arabica coffee plant makes up about 75% of worldwide coffee production. It originated in Ethiopia, or the ancient land that we now call Ethiopia, and it's the primary coffee species that is grown in East Africa, Central America, and Southern America. The Caffea Arabica plant is really, really finicky. It's very difficult to grow and to grow well. It's difficult to care for, and it really only tolerates a very narrow range of optimal growing conditions. The optimal growing conditions include shade, so it grows best in the shade, at higher elevations, and a temperature of about 60 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit. This plant is extremely sensitive to drought, to temperature fluctuations, and to different diseases and pest and and fungi infections. This is by far the most difficult to grow and to take care of of the coffee species that we use commercially. However, it has some very desirable characteristics that make these that make up for these shortcomings. And the biggest of which is Caffea arabica has by far and away the most desirable flavor profile of all of the coffee plants that we consume. So we as humans have spent a ton of time and effort and money in cultivating and taking care of for this species of coffee plant much more than any other species. We've kind of left some of the other species to go. The Arabica coffee flavor profile comes from a very well-balanced mix of chemicals. So the ratio of caffeine to lipids or fats and naturally occurring sugars is just really well balanced. So it gives you that very sweet, nice, desirable, pleasant flavor to it. One more cool feature about the Arabica coffee plant, this plant is self-pollinating. So it doesn't require bees or insects to help pollinate it. And the benefit here is that seedlings, so new plants, are typically extremely similar genetically to their parents. So this feature allows for pretty consistent plant characteristics and taste. So a farm can maintain a a pretty consistent genetic profile and growing profile and flavor profile of their coffee. So that's Arabica. Let's go on to the second most commonly produced and most important coffee species, which is Robusta. The scientific name of Robusta coffee is Caffea canifora, and I'll refer to it by its more commonly known name, which is Robusta coffee. This coffee typically grows in West Africa and Southeast Asia, and Robusta really lives up to its name. It is a robust coffee species. It is hardy. It can survive in all sorts of conditions. It is 
so much easier to grow than Arabica coffee. It is much more resistant to disease and pests, tolerates poor soil, tolerates marginal growing conditions and temperature and humidity fluctuations, and it also is much more of a productive plant. So it is able to produce many more coffee cherries and thus coffee beans per plant than the Arabica coffee plant. Because of these characteristics, Robusta can grow in conditions that would limit or straight up prohibit the Arabica coffee plant from growing. And the optimal growing conditions are slightly different even. So Robusta grows actually better in lower elevation, in higher temperatures. So instead of that 60 to 75 degree Fahrenheit, Robusta prefers about 75 to 85 degrees, and it can tolerate higher rainfall and more humidity. While all of this hardiness of the Robusta plant is really a benefit, it, it allows the plant to survive in suboptimal conditions, it's kind of been this plant's curse when it comes to commercial use. Because this characteristic has made it so that Robusta coffee has been planted in areas by farmers that, quite frankly, those areas probably should not be growing any coffee species at all. They're just that suboptimal of growing conditions. And when Robusta is planted there, it will survive, it will produce coffee, and it will be terrible coffee. And so that kind of taints the public's opinion on Robusta coffee. But that's not the only thing. So location alone isn't the only thing that makes Robusta coffee less desirable than Arabica coffee. It really comes down to some of the intrinsic characteristics and chemical composition that Robusta coffee beans have compared to the Arabica beans that we prefer. So Robusta coffee, first of all, in terms of chemical composition difference, has about double the amount of caffeine than Arabica coffee. And that may sound great, especially for a morning that you're really having trouble getting out of bed and you really need that caffeine kick. But the caffeine molecule is bitter. So it has a bitter taste. So Robusta tastes more bitter than Arabica. Number one, because it has a higher caffeine content. But there are other reasons why as well. Think about why people traditionally add cream or milk and sugar to their coffee. It has to do with cutting the bitterness, making it more palatable, making it easier and more delicious to drink. The other thing that Robusta has is it actually has a lower content of lipid or fat and a lower content of naturally occurring sugar compared to the Arabica coffee bean. So to sum it all up, it has a higher caffeine content, which is bitter, and then it has a lower content of some of the naturally occurring things, so essentially the natural occurring equivalent of cream and sugar is lower in Robusta. So Robusta coffees typically have a very harsh and bitter flavor to them. And they also have some unique flavor notes that I don't pick up in Arabica coffee very often either, things that aren't necessarily all that appealing, like rubber and burnt peanuts. So it's a lot of these 
differences in chemical composition that make Arabica coffee much more desirable and limit the commercial utilization of Robusta coffee because it has a suboptimal flavor profile. It's it's interesting to consider for, for a few seconds why Robusta coffee actually has a higher caffeine content, and there is a reason why. And it has to do with where these plants are grown. See, at, at high doses, caffeine, the molecule caffeine, is toxic. And yes, it actually can even be toxic to humans, but you basically have to eat purified caffeine out of the lab to get you to those tr- toxicity levels. It's, it's basically impossible to drink so much coffee that you would suffer from caffeine toxicity. But that's if you're a human. If you were instead a small insect, it would be possible to consume enough coffee plant or coffee berry that you would have to worry about caffeine toxicity. And remember that Robusta grows at a lower altitude in warmer, wetter conditions, and insects love that environment. So caffeine is basically a defense mechanism that the coffee plant produces to help it from not being eaten alive by pests. The Caffea arabica plant, on the other hand, grows where the air is much thinner at much higher altitudes where there's much less rainfall and less bugs. And so it doesn't need as much caffeine content. Anyway, that's kind of an aside. But again, these chemical and flavor differences are really the main reason why Arabica is so in demand and desired by coffee drinkers. It's why producers will work their ass off to struggle with grow and take care of this really finicky Arabica coffee plant. And it comes down to Arabica coffee just tastes better, and thus you can charge more money for it. Due to the differences in demand because of flavor, and Robusta's hardiness and ability to produce significantly more coffee per tree, Robusta coffee is a lot cheaper in price than Arabica coffee. And I'm talking about half or a third of the price of Arabica coffee. And because of all of these factors, namely cheaper price, less desirable flavor profile, Robusta is seldom found in the specialty coffee world. It's actually really hard to find a specialty coffee roaster or shop selling Robusta coffee. Most of the Robusta coffee produced is processed into instant coffee. If you are drinking instant coffee, odds are you are drinking probably 100% Robusta. Robusta coffee is also mixed into coffee blends used by some of the very large commercial coffee companies that are really focused on volume and maintaining low price, not quality or flavor profile. The one area that you might find some Robusta mixed in, even in the specialty coffee world, is a lot of coffee companies use a mix of the Arabica coffee bean and the Robusta coffee bean in espresso blends. Because for some reason, the Robusta bean gives a slightly better and longer lasting crema on top of that espresso than Arabica coffee tends to give you. With all of the negatives about Robusta, I feel like I just spent five minutes talking about the negatives of this coffee plant. A specialty single origin Robusta coffee roasted correctly can be pretty interesting to find and to try, and sometimes it can be enjoyable. 
It is not my favorite type of coffee by any means, but I think rare things when you come across them are worth exploring and checking out. And that's certainly the case with a well-produced Robusta coffee. It's really hard to find though. That's the problem. I've actually never come across a single origin, single farm Robusta coffee in any specialty coffee shop I've ever been in. If you have, I would love to hear about it. So reach out to me, send me an email, andrew at roastandreason.com. Um, I have personally not found one in a specialty coffee shop, but I did stumble across uh, Robusta green beans at one of the places where I buy green beans to roast my own coffee at home, uh, a little shop called Mr. Green Beans in Portland, Oregon. And I roasted them at home. Uh, again, not my favorite coffee by any means, but really interesting to try. Um, and I'll, I would definitely take another chance to roast those beans or try some Robusta coffee at a specialty coffee shop. Let's talk about two other distinct species of coffee tree. And these are used commercially as well. Both of these are even more rare than Robusta coffee. Liberica coffee, or Caffea liberica, is a coffee species that originated in Western and Central Africa. And it's currently produced in the Philippines. It's one of the major areas that still grows it today. This type of coffee is completely different than, than Arabica and Robusta. It grows best in jungle environments, actually. So instead of the high altitude, uh, low rainfall that Arabica prefers, Liberica like, likes it in the jungle. Liberica is a huge tree. It grows up to 30 feet in height. And unlike Arabica coffee, interestingly, Liberica does not self-pollinate, so it relies on bees to pollinate it. The coffee beans of the Liberica coffee tree have a unique almond shape, and they're very large. This type of coffee has a distinct floral, fruity flavor, and it can taste woody and jungly too. Uh, at least that's what I've read. I've actually never tried this coffee. I've never run into it. This coffee plant and the coffee it produces are actually very rare and difficult to find. The Liberica coffee plant is currently an endangered species, but it wasn't always this way. The history of the Liberican coffee plant is pretty fascinating. In the 1890s, a fungal infection called coffee rust disease destroyed about 90 to 95% of all of the Arabica coffee trees worldwide. So it basically decimated the Arabica coffee crop. The Philippines planted Caffea Liberica to replace the Arabica that they had lost from the coffee rust. And at this time in history, the Philippines was actually a territory of the United States. The Philippines became a major supplier to the coffee industry and the major coffee manufacturers in America. In fact, many of the original U.S. coffee brands and blends contained a large quantity of Liberican coffee from the Philippines. But there was a fallout. So political and trade relationships became awfully strained when the Philippines gained independence from the U.S. And once this happened, America and American coffee producers basically stopped importing Liberican coffee from the Philippines. They also stopped importing crops like sugar and rice as well. 
So when this happened, the key market for Liberican coffee from the Philippines dried up. And at the same time, there was this wave of strong commercial preference for Arabica coffee. And so that double hit basically destroyed Liberican coffee and it's languished and really never regained the prominence that it once had. And so to this day, it's awfully difficult to find. The fourth entity or species or maybe species, maybe variety that we're going to talk about is Excelsa. So this is kind of like the Pluto of the coffee world. Excelsa was originally viewed as its own unique species. However, it's recently been reclassified as a variety of Liberica coffee. So just like Arabica coffee has a bunch of different varieties, it may turn out that Excelsa coffee is a distinct variety of the Cafea Liberica species. So this species or subspecies of, of coffee produces very large trees. Uh, it grows in medium altitudes, and it's typically found in Southeast Asia. The coffee beans resemble the beans of Liberican coffee. They're almond or teardrop shaped. They're slightly smaller than the Liberican beans, though. And it's described as having a unique tart, fruity, complex flavor, but I've actually never tried this this type of coffee. So folks, there you have it. Uh, Those are the major unique coffee species that are produced commercially. And I hope this, I hope this information was interesting and educational and, and hopefully adds to your appreciation of, of coffee. And as I was recording this, I've come to the conclusion that yes, in fact, next week we are going to talk about the different varieties of the Arabica coffee plant. So we're going to focus on Arabica coffee and kind of dive in. And we're going to talk about the different varieties, how they came about historically, what you might expect from each of them. So there are some varieties that are notoriously large in size. There are some varieties that have very different, unique flavor profiles. So we're going to talk about each of those and what you as a coffee consumer need to know about them. So be sure to tune into that episode. And until then, happy coffee drinking, everybody, and I'll see you next time.